Our keynote verse for awakening the warrior within is Joel chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It's a last day's prophetic verse about what God is up to in the last days. You may or may not realize it, but when the church was born uh, back on Pentecost Sunday, it turned the prophetic time clock of God on again. I don't have time to explain that it was turned off. Uh, that's just a terminology for us. But there's a gap of time. And then when the church uh, was birthed, the, the, the clock began. Now, we don't know how long we have as the church. It's called the age of the church. And Paul, as well as the prophet and, and, and Peter, they all describe this as the beginning of the last days. Tell somebody around you with a big smile on your face, say, you know we're living in the last days, don't you? You know we are. It's prophetically true. And this is what Joel said. And this is what we need to embrace in the last days as we uh, learn to awaken the warrior within us. He said this, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Everyone say that. Prepare for war. Then in the eyes of spiritual warfare, our defeat is certain and our future is forfeited and the harvest of God is sorely limited. We need to understand the, the, what, what if the enemies approached us? You know, we, we, it's been a long time since an enemy actually attacked America on America's soil. I think that must have been Pearl Harbor. That's been a while. So we were a little, even as they were then, we're a little uh, lackadaisical when we think of the possibility of an enemy attacking us on our own soil. And so we're, we're, we're lax and we're, and, and we're, we're, oh, it can't happen here. And so we can't be that way spiritually. We must involve ourselves in the exercise of spiritual warfare because if we don't, our defeat is certain. Our future is forfeited, and the harvest of God is sorely limited. That's kind of just the, the, the broad brushstroke of the importance of what I'm saying here on Sunday mornings with that in mind. And this may be where we pick up Second uh, Timothy chapter 2. I want you to turn there. Second Timothy chapter 2. Paul is, I believe, in this uh, context, he's stirring up, if you will. He's awakening the warrior within Timothy. And if you know anything about Timothy, his very name means timid. He's kind of timid. And so uh, Paul realized the responsibility he had to awaken the warrior within. Everyone say that. Awaken the warrior within. Now, when you look at Paul the Apostle and you study his writings, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. There's no one uh, other, other than Jesus Christ uh, uh, who, who knows more and understands more and shares more about spiritual warfare than Paul the Apostle. Uh, Jesus understood it. If you remember Jesus, when he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness, you remember that? For 40 days he fasted and there he prayed. And what happened in the wilderness? The devil came and tempted him and God, or pardon me, Jesus, uh, uh, rose up in the power of the word of God and stood victorious over the devil. He understand. He said, it is written, devil, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. And so he overcame the devil by the power of the word of almighty God. But other than Jesus, Paul, the apostle, he's the man when it comes to understanding spiritual warfare. Let me read this passage of scripture to you because 
because he's talking to his son in the faith, uh, and he says this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore, now here, here he goes, you therefore must, everyone say you must, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So we see Paul the apostle endeavoring to awaken the warrior within Timothy. Uh, and he wanted him to understand that the battles we face are not flesh and blood. Paul would teach us, he said, the, the, the warfare you have, it's not flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare, uh, in fact, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe. Here's some passages you can write down. 1 Corinthians 9, 26, Paul said, thus I fight not as one who beats the Air. Uh, he, he, he said, the fight I have, it's not shadow, we're not shadow boxing. We got a real enemy out there. Uh, it's not just kind of, you know, da 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 and just playing like I'm fighting. There's a real warfare going on. It's spiritual warfare. And he goes on in many different other passages. And uh, gosh, 2 Corinthians 2.11, I think he says this, we, uh, we are not ignorant of, our, of the enemy's devices, speaking of Satan. In other words, we understand he has a strategy against us. And so we've got to be up to speed and involved in uh, present-day spiritual warfare strategy. And then one of my favorite is 2 Corinthians 10, where he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means fleshly or natural. But they're mighty through God. Somebody say mighty through God. To the pulling down and the victorious uh, uh, victory over strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. I saw on the internet uh, I think it's John Kilpatrick. He was calling the church to, uh, to bind the spirit of witchcraft that he believed is being loose not only over our nation but over our president and 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 he was uh, binding the spirit of witchcraft and I say hey I agree with that anybody that's rebuking the devil in the name of Jesus Christ I'm all for that somebody say amen anyone who's taking their stand on the front lines and say it's time we fight the fight that God has for us Paul stirred us in fact he told Timothy uh, at the close of this book I fought a good fight how many of you know what a good fight is it's one you win. You ever been in a fight where you got the tar beat out of you? And you went, ooh, that felt good. Man, I just love it when he jacked my jaws back. No. The only fight, you might be bloodied, battered, and scarred, but if you came out on top, you went, man, that's a good fight. Adrian. I just had that. I had to say it. I'm sorry. My wife thought it was funny. And so he comes to 2 Timothy, really first in 2 Timothy. And he's endeavoring to awaken the warrior within Timothy. 
Let me just stop and say, if the next generation loses the insight and understanding that there's spiritual conflict in the atmosphere, we are in serious trouble. Listen, mom and daddy, your kids are in the back getting taught the word of God or upstairs or somewhere, uh, and they're being taught the word of God. But let me just say, parents, if, as your kids grow up, they are not, if they are naive to the, to the enemy's attack against them and their family and their friends, you have done them a great disservice and you have guaranteed their defeat unless God certainly sends somebody else along to engage them and help them understand that there's a real devil, there's a real enemy, it's a spiritual war and we must awaken the warrior within us, especially in these last days. Amen. Amen. So with that in mind, are you in 2 Timothy? Did you go there? For these four verses... I want to give you some warrior wisdom that Paul was giving and, in, and, 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 and endeavoring to pass on to Timothy. These would be great insights for us not only personally to embrace, but to begin in our own way as parents and even grandparents to begin to teach and impart to our children and our children's children. I'll call it wake up wisdom because this is awakening the warrior within you. And, and if, and, and if Timothy was in any way spiritually uh, uh, slumbering, Paul was going to wake him up with some important insight that he and I and all of us need to embrace in our life in this thing called spiritual warfare. And so with that in mind, let me give you them, give them to you. Number one, we need to wake up. Everybody say wake up. In fact, give your neighbor away. If you got somebody close, give them one of these. And if you don't have somebody close to you, look across and point out. Let's wake up, wake up. I mentioned this this morning in, in uh, Breakfast with Champions. Uh, I want to honor my father. He's been in heaven a long time. Beverly, how long has he, my dad been in heaven? Oh, it's been a long time. 1984. He's been in heaven a long time with, with his heavenly father. But uh, my dad, he loved Boots Randolph, Chet Atkins, and there's another one. Hmm, Boots Randolph played the saxophone. Chet Atkins played, oh, Floyd Kramer. Oh, some of you, most of you, anybody, uh, we got a few. Any, anybody know Flo, who Floyd Kramer was? Uh, anybody know who Chet Atkins was? I should ask the opposite question. Any, I bet nobody knew who Boots Randolph was, but these guys, Google them, man, they're great. And, uh, and, uh, they played, or primarily Boots Randolph played an instrumental version of an Orange Blossom special. I can't for the light. And, and here's my dad. He worked nights. He'd come in at 7.15 on a Saturday morning after I'd probably played a football game or something. Was wore smooth smack dab out. And he would, we had this stereo console that was about six foot long. And he would put on that orange blossom special and turn it to 10. And that's how we woke up in the morning. He'd walk down the hall, wake up, wake up, wake up. And we go, oh, okay. That's how dad woke us up. I wonder how God feels when the heat of the battle is raging and his church is found slumbering. And if you remember, even when he was waging his warfare there before he died on the cross, 
He was in the garden sweating as it was, great drops of blood. And what did his disciples keep doing? They kept falling asleep. And he was in the battle for, for the future of the souls of men. And he was warring. And he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And he would look back and they would be asleep. They fell asleep three times in the middle of the greatest battle. And Jesus won the battle. And he said, nevertheless... Not my will, but your will be done. So with that in mind, just look around and say, wake up. So here we go. Four wake up facts. Here's the first one. Wake up to the fact that as a believer, we have been enlisted. I'll never forget back in the Vietnam War, I was a little kid. My brother was old enough to be drafted. Uh, and anybody here remember the draft? Uh, my, my brother was old enough, but for some reason, they didn't let flat-footed people in. I think that didn't fit their boot or something. I don't know. So he was actually uh, um, uh, given a medical release from the draft because he had flat feet. Uh, I, I, I never would have thought such a thing. Uh, I bet Dr. Scholes could have fixed that back then if he'd have been around. But uh, uh, this is not that. God has not drafted us into the army of God against our will when we gave uh, uh, when we gave up to the lordship of Christ just as Jesus gave in there in uh, in the garden uh, of Gethsemane when he said nevertheless not my will but your will be done uh, that's the heart and the mindset that we have to have with God when it comes to his purpose and plan for our life look in verse 4 I'm going to work from the bottom up no one engaged in warfare entangles himself no verse 3 you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ no one engages in warfare uh, engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier so here we are as believers I don't know if you realize this but when you said yes to Jesus said Lord I invite you into my heart I need you I want to go to heaven I, I want you to be my father I want you to forget Please forgive me of my sin. I want to serve you all the days of my life. Jesus said, oh, 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 is that, is that true? Yes, that's true. I give you my life. You are my Lord. For he is Lord. And we sing it and we worship. And then, and all the while, Jesus said, okay, <clears throat> you are now enlisted. Not just in the family of faith, but in the army of God. And as a part of the family of faith, you have a responsibility as a good soldier. Everyone say, good soldier. And so you and I this morning, we need to awaken the warrior within us. We've got to realize we've been enlisted. In fact, look what he says in verse 9 of chapter 1. He hints at it here when he's, uh, when he's uh, talking to Timothy in verse 8 and 9. He says, therefore, chapter 1, 2 Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us. Everyone say, saved us. You see, and then the next thing of being saved is called. He, he doesn't save people and not call people. He doesn't save you and not enlist you. You have a responsibility. We all have a calling. He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, and uh, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. We must understand. Here we got to get it. Wake up wisdom, number one. 
we have been enlisted. Being a part of the army of God is not optional. In fact, what Paul said, the calling of God has nothing to do with our works or with what we do. You know, we think, well, you know, listen, I'm not a soldier. I'll be, you know what, I'm a deacon. I'm an usher. I'm a, I work in the nursery. Uh, but man, don't put me out on the front lines. I'm telling you, it's all the front lines. It's a spiritual warfare that we face and we have been enlisted. And I fear today that there's a lot of God's people around the world, uh, not only uh, around the world, but right here in Beaumont, maybe in this room today. uh, Because listen, he doesn't doesn't care if you come to church or not. The devil doesn't care if you come to church or not. He just doesn't want you to understand your role and responsibility as a warrior in this thing called spiritual warfare. And that's why the last days, what the prophet said, you got to beat your plowshares into swords. In other words, you take your work what you're doing, what you feel like God's, what you're supposed to be doing here. And you understand that there's something greater than plowing and tilling and saw and, and working with the, with the sweat of your brow. Yes, we have to do that. But in the middle of that, we've got to be warriors for the kingdom of God. Amen. Everybody say, wake up. wake up. We've been enlisted. Whether we realize it or not, and if you're AWOL this morning, and listen, uh, it's easy to go AWOL without even realizing it. Because it doesn't matter if you dress all up and look right, but if you're not in the middle of the battle uh, and not following through with what God has called you to do, uh, you're ineffective for the kingdom of God. Whether we realize it or not, when we gave our lives to Christ, we willingly volunteered to be soldiers in the global war for the souls of men. Somebody say amen. In fact, let me show you something. And this is the real context. If you go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, I want you to see this. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15. Here's the context of the spiritual warfare that we're in. Because listen, uh, being a soldier in the army of God is not just buking the devil off your uh, checkbook. Not just buking the devil who's stealing your stuff. It's warring for the souls of men. You see, before you gave your life to Christ, you were under the spell, the governance, and the control of the kingdoms of darkness. That's what Paul said to the Ephesians. You were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Look what Paul says in 1 Timothy. He said, this is a faithful saying, verse 15, and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? Somebody say, save sinners. How many... How many of you realized at some point you were a sinner? I love, is it Bill Gaither Beverly? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. We're all natural born sinners. Josh, I don't know if you realize it. Even little Rhett Daniel. Maybe he's before the age of accountability, but it won't be long. Little Rhett Daniel, sin nature will begin to arise. Daniel's a natural born sinner. Jan, you were a, you're a natural born sinner, but thank God for his mercy and grace. And Paul said, hey, this you got to understand this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he said, of whom I'm chief. I'm the chief of sinners. However, I love this part. I love it when God gives you a however and a way out. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy. Somebody say, have mercy, Lord. 
He had mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ, might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Man, he's realized, he's, he's saying, listen, the reason I got saved is to be an influence on this world that is lost and without Christ. And let me just say to you this morning, or maybe you listening today, if you're lost, if you don't know Jesus Christ, he came to save you from your sin. Whoo! And as we sang this morning, we're redeemed by the blood of Jesus, paid for. I'm building a context here. For this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern for those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to him, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 18. Amen doesn't mean anything other than so be it. This charge I commit to you. Follow this. This charge, Timothy, I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning them, that, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith and have suffered shipwreck. So look what Paul's doing when he, when he blends these two together. He's talking about people who need to be born again. And he says, Timothy, Listen, understand something. The prophetic word over you uh, is, is in this vein as well. That's the inference there. And by these prophetic unctions of the purpose and the call of God on your life to preach the word of God and be instant in season and out of season, by them you wage the good warfare. What's the good warfare? It's the one you win. And it has everything to do. Listen, it doesn't have, it's not just about getting the devil out of your house. It's about lost people being born again. You see, the reason you and I are born again is because somebody paid a price at the place of prayer. Somebody took authority over the devil and opened a way. And God's mercy, somebody say, thank God for his mercy. His mercy came. For by grace you're saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Everyone say, I've been enlisted. Number two, we've got to not only wake up to the fact that we've been enlisted, but number two, we must wake up to the warrior wisdom fact that we must endure. Everyone say, endure. Look what he says in verse 3. Go back to 2 Timothy. Look what he says. He says, you therefore must endure. Everyone say, you must endure. That word endure is so very important. You got to endure. Listen, life is not a cakewalk. How many of you realize that? Spiritual warfare is not a cakewalk. It's an endurance. It's something you have to endure. Everything's not going to be peaches and roses and apple pie and, you know, and glory to God and, woo, man, and fried chicken and bouncy house. It's not all. It's got, there's a battle. There's a warfare going on. How many of you appreciate the fact that sir, there's been people in your past who endured in your behalf? They stood the test of time. They didn't say yes to the influences of this world. But they fought the good fight. Amen. You must endure hardship. Everyone say hardship. Listen, many times hardship is not the devil. Some people go through hard things and start rebuking the devil, and the devil didn't have anything to do with it, but he says, Hey, if you're going to give me the credit, I'll take it. 
hardship, endurance. Paul the Apostle said this, I believe in Romans, he said, you have need of endurance that after you've done the will of God, you can receive the inheritance or the prize, the reward. And as good soldiers, we've got to endure. I've not, I'm not a military man. We've got a few military. I know Robert's a military man. There's some things he had to endure just to be a part. In fact, I, I'm reading a book right now. It's not a, uh, it's not a Christian book. Uh, it's just a book about the study of grit. Everyone say grit. Uh, it's about the stick to it's about endurance. In fact, they, uh, there's some insight about how many of you know you got to have grit to graduate from West Point. And West Point doesn't take just anybody. They take the best of the best, the brightest of the brightest, the, the, what they would think would be the best soldiers. And, and out of thousands of applicants, just a few hundred, maybe less than a couple of hundred, are accepted into West Point. These are the brightest and the best of what our culture and our world and our military minds say. These guys got the stuff. These folks got the stuff. These people have the stuff. And, and here, here's the sad part about those few select of the elect when they get to West point most of them wash out and quit within a week because they have no endurance they didn't realize everybody told them they read the stories and read the books and talked to people who had been to west point but they never experienced it for themselves and paul wanted timothy to know right up front in this spiritual warfare you need to understand something you have been enlisted but you're going to have to embrace this understanding of endurance people quit so quick And I'm convinced many things we battle against and many things we war against and it gets darkest just before the dawn. How many of you realize that? And we throw in the towel and we quit and we back away and say, I can't handle it. And God was saying, just hang in there. The morning is coming. And this thing called warfare. We've been enlisted, but in the heat of the fray, we must endure. There's so much to say, and there's so many places in these two books. In fact, he gives some, in, in 2 Timothy, he gives some endurance directives. I'll just hit them quickly. 1 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 1.13, he says, hold fast. Everyone say, hold fast. That has to do with endurance. Uh, 2 Timothy 1, be strong. Uh, sec- yeah, 2 Timothy 2.1, my son, be strong. How many of you know that has to do with endurance? 2.15, be diligent. 3.1, knowing this or know this. There's some things you need to know that has to do with diligence and, and endurance. And then he says in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, verse 5, be watchful. And, and even in 1 Timothy and all throughout, there, there is this theme and this understanding Standing that life is not a cakewalk. Spiritual warfare is, is a battle and we must endure. Everyone say we must endure. Everyone say I've been enlisted. You got to get that down. If you don't get that down, you're not going to endure. Because warfare is not optional. You say, well, I'm, I'm not going to go to war. Well, th- you will go to war, you just won't fight. And if you don't fight, you won't win. But if you fight, you win. But you have to endure. Everyone said we must endure. Number three, we must wake up to the fact that we cannot be entangled. Look what he says. No one, verse four, no one. Everyone say no one. Look at your neighbor and say that means you too. 
Nobody. That means me too. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him. Look at this. That he may... Listen, the first priority of our life as soldiers is not to get the victory. It's to be pleasing to God in getting the victory. It pleases God when you fight and you win. I know none of you parents would ever want your kids to get in a fisticuff, right? We wouldn't encourage that. But I know as parents, if they did get in a fisticuff, you would hope that they would win. And then when they did win, though you would get them aside and, and encourage them, we're not supposed to fight. Something on the inside of every daddy would go, that's my boy. <laughs> am, I, am I right now? You know what God does when we get in the middle of the fray and we endure and we begin to get victory over the powers of darkness? Oh, that's my boy. That's my girl right there. Look at him. Woo. It pleases God. Because he created you to win. Amen. When he made you and formed you and fashioned you. I don't know if people still preach like this, but I do. I can't help it. When he, fa- when he made you and he formed you and he fashioned you, he, he didn't look down and say, man, I, I created the greatest loser on planet Earth. <laughs> no, he looked at you and said, you're born to win. I created you to be victorious over every demon, devil, and hell that would come your way. You are not a loser. You're a winner. Hooey. Next week, I'm going to give you a little preview next week. I can't wait till next week. We're going to talk about the warrior's words. I think a little David, little David's words to the giant. You come to me with a spear and a sword. I come to you in the name of the Lord. Of hosts. There was a bunch of losers sitting over on the side of the hill afraid of the giant David. He ran toward, I'm getting ahead of myself. I better stop. That's next week. We cannot be entangled with the affairs of this life. See, that helps me get back on track. We cannot be entangled. He said this, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. No one. Everyone say no one. Now, I want to encourage you this week to go back and read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And what you're going to find is both of these letters are chock full with examples and insights about not being entangled in the things of this world. What Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 20, I think he says, he said, flee youthful lust and pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. We cannot be entangled in the things of this world. And let me tell you something, you can get tangled up without it being sinful tangled up. Sometimes we can get so tangled up. Let me just, parents, let me, can I get on, can I, can I just get close? We get so tangled up with all their res- their responsibilities and the t-ball, baseball, football, whatever, this, that, and the other, 
And we get so tangled up in the day-to-day affairs of raising our kids that we lose sight of the understanding that there's a spiritual battle going on for their souls and we can, we can gain the whole world and lose our own soul. Here's what I love about Jesus. He was hung up for your hang-ups. He can take take the most tangled up mess. You know, I'm a fisherman. I fish for men, but also fish for fish. And I throw what they call an open face. You have to adjust it. It has to be right. It's got to, it all has to be right. If you're not paying attention, if you got the wrong, you get what I used to call a tangle up. Man, I got a tangle up. It's a backlash. And if, you, if you've ever wanted to see a preacher cuss, that would be your best shot at it. And I, I, sometimes I just, I go, I got to fix that later. But if you're patient, but here's what God will do. He can take your biggest mess. He can take your tangled up mess. And oh man, does the devil know how to tangle things up. And he can sit there and he can work it out. And all of a sudden you'll wake up and realize, hallelujah. He took my mess and turned it into a message. And as soldiers, we can't afford. Listen, lost souls can't afford for us to live a life that is just all tangled up with this, that, and the other and keeps us distracted. One of the devil's biggest tactics tactics is not to deceive you into believing something other than the Word of God. The devil's biggest tactic is just to distract you away from the fight and get you all tangled up. Some people here this morning, listen, maybe listening to me by way of Facebook today, you, you, you look at your life and you just go, my Lord, what have I done? It's just all tangled up mess. You're not the first one. And you won't be the last one, but I'm telling you something today. He can fix that. You can become untangled. And began to get back in order and get back in line with God's purpose and plan for your life. And listen, the devil just wants to distract you, get you off base, and get you, get you defeated by way of just getting you all busy doing other things. The cares of this world. Listen, we gotta make a living, as Pastor Ron said. We gotta make a life, but we gotta make a difference. You can't, you can't make, be, take making a living as the primary focus of your life. That'll get old so fast. How many of you love winning? Anybody just embrace the loser in you? Come on, just embrace the loser in you. Because we just all love to lose. Don't let the entanglements of this life uh, cause you to just embrace the loser in you. You're not a loser. I don't care what anybody said to you. And boy, some people are cruel. 
Some of them, you call some of them daddy and mama. I can't help it, but sometimes daddy and mama or uncle or somebody said, you'll never be worth a dime. You'll, you'll never do this. You'll never do that. Listen, I, I don't know. I don't care what anybody said to you, but I came to tell you today, you're not a loser. It doesn't matter if you're all tangled up. He can get you, fix you, put you back in the fray and, and let the, the victor come alive in you. I do a little I, I do a little live broadcast every Sunday morning called the uh, Breakfast with Champions. There's a champion living on the inside of you. His name is Jesus. Whew. Man. You can't be entangled. Hey. Warrior wisdom. We've been enlisted. We must endure. We cannot be entangled in number 4 would sound obvious, but we've got to wake up to the fact that we must be engaged. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself. Now, I have some things that I see. Believe it or not, I mow the grass a lot. I have a lake house. I mow a couple of acres. I have our house here at the in in Lumberton, and I mow that. and And believe it or not, I mow the churchyard quite a bit as well. Thank God for zero turn. But I've learned something about mowing. If the blades are not engaged, you just driving around in circles. Well, the first, the first thing I do after I get on my mower, after I've got it all ready, filled it up, ready to go, I, I map out my strategy and I engage. Because my enemy is weeds and high grass. We've got to engage the enemy. And, and again, the devil doesn't care if you get up every morning and go to Ephesians 6 and say, Lord, I put on the whole armor of God. I put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace. I take up the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. He doesn't care if you get all dressed up. He just doesn't want you to engage. It's time to engage. I don't want to stir up a hornet's nest. I stirred up a hornet's nest the other day at the lake house. I was doing some work around the camper I have, and there's a bunk. I don't go into it, but, man, I pulled out this hose that I did not realize. In this hose that was up inside this bumper, I pulled it out, and inside this hose was a wasp nest that I engaged them. They engaged me first, and I didn't have the white rep, the, the 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 right weaponry. One of them got me on the ear, zing! I'm like, yeah! And I spoke to them. I said, "I will be back." I went to the house. And I, from 20 yards out, you, you bees are going down. I engaged them with the right weaponry. 
Aren't you proud you don't have a pastor that run off? <laughs> the bees are angry me. The bees are angry me. Oh, I got out. <laughs> don't be oh, the devil. I can't wait till next Sunday to talk about David. I'm going to engage you. I love his words. It's, it's the warrior's words. Your head is coming off today. In fact, you better take a deep breath because it'll be your last. Here I come. It's time to awake. The warrior. Oh. I love, it says it pleases God. When I get mad at the devil and get angry and start waging war, my heavenly father loves my boy. He's doing just what I told him to do. In fact, the church, when the church gets sick and tired of being sick and tired and they get up and start waging war, the Bible says, Jesus said, the church that I built, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen, we're not defensive, we're offensive. It's time to take back the ground that the devil has stolen from us and take back our rightful place on the victor's stand and give him all the glory. God looks down and says, man, that pleases me. That's my boy. That's my church. That phrase, please him, means to emotionally excite and stir up. I love that. You got to get the picture. Come on, get the picture with me. When we rise up and begin to do warfare and we, we engage the enemy and we, we endure and we are not entangled and we take our enlistment seriously and we begin to get out in the spiritual battleground and do war against the devil, God gets all excited. You want to get him excited. You want to cause him to stand up and go, whoo, that's my boy. There they go. That's what I'm talking about. He gets all excited because that's his nature too. I love what Isaiah 42 verse 13 says this about God. The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. See, you've got a champion living on the inside of you and he's a man of war. He's not tiptoe through the tulips kind of Jesus. He's the kind of Jesus that built a cat of nine tails and cleansed the temple and said, "You, come, hey, this is a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. Get out of the house of God. That's my Jesus. Whew. Hey, listen. All of us got issues, got stuff. Could I tell you, most of it probably has a spiritual root. Your family stuff... There's a spiritual root there somewhere. And God's called you to pull it down. And, and hey, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There's family curses. We can break them. There's habits and issues. 
my daddy was this, my mama was this, I guess I'm going to be this. No, that, that's not true. You can break that thing. Don't lead your kids down the same demonic path that somebody led you down. Don't lead them into defeat like somebody may have led you down. Understand something today. If you engage your enemy in the authority of God's word and begin to untangle your life and embrace the call of God on your life and realize, whoo, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, you, like David, can take the authority of his sword and his word and, 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 and run towards the war and find great the roar and find great victory in your life. Guys, I can't wait to get into Gideon. My Lord. It's a story of great victory, but it's also a story of great defeat. I guess I better stop because that's why they make them series. I don't know what you're going through. Let's stand. But understand something. The battle is not flesh and blood. It's not a flesh and blood battle. You know, honestly, today there's somebody here. There may be a lot of us here. There's somebody with flesh and skin on you. You'd like to, you'd like to engage them today. It's not flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. The warrior's words are so important. The warrior's weapons, the warrior's clothes, the armor of God, all those things we'll look at. But we can begin today by realizing that just from what we've heard, we can begin to engage the enemy at the place of prayer. Jesus said this, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Scripture says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. There's a champion living on the inside of Father, today as we come to the close of this service, may it be the beginning of a great new life of engaging our enemies in the authority of who we are in Christ. And even as the prophet Joel said, let the weak say, I'm strong. I'm not a weak believer. I'm a faith-filled believer. I'm strong in the Lord. And in the power of your might, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, now I pray you just breathe upon us. I want everyone in this room, if you so desire, I'm not trying to just, if you want, lift your hand and say, Lord, help me to wake, awaken the warrior within me. Let me fight the good fight, the fight of faith. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed before we leave, 
I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but someone here today, you've heard this message, but on the inside, there's a, there's a, there's a loud voice saying, yes, but I'm hopeless. On the inside of you screaming a hopeless despair over your life. I came to tell you that that's the enemy's efforts to take you out. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Today I came to speak the hope of God into your heart. That it's not over till God says it's over. I don't, I don't care what people have said. I don't care what the devil has said. I don't care what family members have said. God said it's not over. He's a God of hope. The God of all comfort. The God of all hope. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're brave enough for just this, even in your hopeless uh, case to say, Pastor, that's me. The devil is, is screaming on the inside of me. Yes, but you have no hope. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. Anyone, I see those hands. I see them. You can put them down as you put them. I see those hands. Three. Somebody else is screaming hopelessness in, in me. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, today, anyone else, lift your hand before I pray. God, you see these whose hands are raised. I want everyone here, let's all now lift up both hands in their behalf. Father, we lift up their hands. And today, I pray just the fact that I called them out in the spirit about this issue going on the inside. They begin to realize God cares about them and that it's not hopeless. In fact, it's Lord, uh, it gets darkest just before the dawn. And Lord, today, for those who feel hopeless in their circumstance, whether it's with family or friends or finances or future, Lord. I pray right now, God, you would begin to breathe upon them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they'd begin to sense the hope of God. We fan the hope of God into their hearts again, Lord. And we pray, Lord, their faith would arise on the inside of them to be able to stand up against this hopeless despair. I rebuke every demon, every devil in hell that would try to take them out with a hopeless despair in their life. I pray, God, you as the God of all hope would begin to arise within them, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.